Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 277. I'm your host, Mike, Steam Deck Hater Apps. And with me as always... Uh, beloved Knight of the Grals Ritter, David O'Brien, Family Master. I don't think I've actually been called a Steam Deck Hater yet, but I feel like that's going to be coming after I actually post the previous episode. Oh, you didn't post 276 yet? No, no. I'm... Okay. It's uploaded, I have to do the actual post, so they'll gotcha, probably, gotcha. these two episodes will probably come back to back. Yeah. Like but, you do sometimes, yes. in a way that is suboptimal for all involved, yes. but oh well. Yes, it's been a largely suboptimal day. Like, uh, we started quote-unquote recording this a minute ago, and then I realized I hadn't actually hit the start streaming button, and yeah. And by you realized, you mean I realized. Yes, yes, Dave realized, and I... <laughs> It's like, oh, fuck. So, yeah. Uh, uh, what did we actually say before? You so, basically, playing... yeah, I, what I've been playing is a matter of public record, so you were going to talk about what you committed to playing. Yes, so I've been playing a lot of Destiny. Uh, that's not, should be a surprise to no one who's been listening lately. Uh, it's been to the point where I played with a friend of the show, Silk. Former RB Gamer staffer, not too yesterday, and he looked at my light level, and he joined up with me, and was like, um, what the fuck? Not Why is it so high? <laughs> not that it's, like, pro-high or anything, but it's... It's unhealthy high. <laughs> yeah, it's probably unhealthy high. Especially considering I've been messing around with my other characters, and not just been playing on the one character. So, the fact that it's so high is, uh... It's not even a reflection of all of your playtime. That's yeah. horrifying. Yeah, so part of it is, um, yeah, I've made no bones about the fact that I was severely disappointed in Destiny 2's first few years. Like, there was a lot of fun I had and a lot of good things. But by There's a long period where you just sort of brought it up as like, man, I wish I was still playing Destiny 1. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I know people hate hearing things like that because it's like a lot of it's just nostalgia and it's not necessarily that the first game was better, but I feel like something was off about Destiny 2 for a long time. Uh, yeah, the minute-to-minute gameplay, absolutely better. Uh, campaign structures, garbage. Um, the amount of grinding necessary was really bad. Uh, but it's largely since their divorce from Activision, that's it's all been on the an uptick. Like Beyond Light, as much as I dislike a lot of it, was a large step in the right direction. And this past expansion, The Witch Queen, has been just aces. And at this point, the game is better than Destiny One by far. Better than your memory of Destiny. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and better than I've gone back and played Destiny One occasionally, and it's yeah, it's definitely better now. So yeah, no, I'm just saying that like the one is a harder thing to overcome than the other. Right. Uh, and then they even have two of the best raids from Destiny One in the game now, because so you get to play them with you know updated mechanics. It's great. So that said, with lots of tweaks and fixes to the grinding and whatnot. A lot of the content I skipped because I was frustrated with the game I could now play and enjoy, and that's both a boon and a fucking curse, because I 
and buried in content I can play and enjoy. So I'm going to be playing a lot of Destiny going forward. And part of the reason I haven't talked a lot of, about a lot of games other than that is I've just been in a place of not not really knowing what I want to play because I, I feel like I've just been bouncing from one game to the next and I want to actually finish some games. And one of them is I'm definitely going to try and burn through uh, Bayonetta 2 before 3 comes out, but that's that's not a massive time commitment. That game's like 12 hours long, tops. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I've given up on burning through Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which I think is healthy because, um, you know, other than playing through the first game relatively fast because I was reviewing it, I feel like that's not a game that's good for me to just be... <laughs> It's usually just not a healthy way to approach a super long RPG to just yeah. be like, to look at something that you've spent like 100 hours on and be like, but I gotta just power through the rest of it. Cause it's just yeah. like, that just breeds resentment to whatever you're right. playing. So I'm just gonna play it and, you know, in chunks when I feel like playing it. And I got to the point where I think I needed a little break. I got to a hard boss and was. A about to wander off and do some side quests and it's just time to do a little break so trying to finish some other things and you have obviously been taunting me with your progress in <laughs> the trail series a like series. an absolute jackass yes a series that i absolutely love but have just been distracted by too many shiny objects to play through. unable to commit yes so i have put a plan forward and that plan is I'm going to abandon my progress in Cold Steel for now. Uh, I'm near the end of the first game, but I'm stuck in a haunted mansion. And despite all, like, looking up tips and whatnot, I'm just, I'm stuck. It's a really hard boss fight, and you can't actually get out of the haunted mansion. So there's not much I can do other than pure grinding. And fuck that right now. So I'm going to... Um, going back to the first Trails in the Sky, which I'm about this, almost 30 hours into, in chapter 3. You're on chapter 3. There are four numbered chapters. Uh, which is to say, like, chapter 3 would be the fourth chapter as far as I'm concerned, because the prologue is actually quite long, but yeah. So yeah, um... Not necessarily near the end of that game, but I'm pretty far in it, so... You're in the tail end. Yeah, so I want to finish that, and then I'm going to switch over to PC for 2, and obviously for 3, since that is not... We never even got the PSP version of that. Yeah. I don't... May, there may be, like, a fan patch for it, but I... I would be shocked if there wasn't, because the amount of, like, customized Trails fan patches is absurd at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> but at this point... I decided I want to abandon playing it on the PSP because I'm kind of sick PSP. Just finding that the system just annoys me. Like there's there's been an there's been a thing with it that has always annoyed me for a while, and I think it's finally I've had enough of it. Mm -hmm. Is that the system just bleeds battery life while it's off, just sitting there doing nothing. And that mm. drives me nuts. Just drive me nuts. Are you fully turning it off, or are you sleeping? Yet? No, I'm fully turning it off. Oh wow, that's wild. Yeah. And it's 
it's it's it's you know it's not just one PSP. It's all of them. It happens to all. I have three, and it does all of them do it. Of course, you have three. Yeah, and one of them is the PSP Go. So it's they, they, I don't I you know, and I don't know why that is. Maybe I'll have to try harder and make sure they're fully turned off. But yeah, it's it's always been an issue if I. Yeah, I, like, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> like I went to um, went to play a little bit today, and today or yesterday, I don't know. And turn on the PSP, and it's like, oh, it's had battery power. I it, it had like two bars left when I played it a few days ago. What the fuck? So yeah, lovely. It might also be one of those things that. Uh, has like a weird weighting on how much it considers to still be uh, available at two bars. Like a lot of things, especially a lot of modern electronics like phones are essentially going to lie to you about how much battery you have. Yeah. Uh, um, but, you know, before anyone writes into the show and say, your battery is probably old and you should replace it. It's a brand new battery that I bought like last year. <laughs> Oof, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it might just be something about how the damn thing's wired up, but not not the battery itself, just how the PSP is set up. Yeah, yeah. Used to say, but yeah, I, I mean, like it's it's a system that I was pretty ready to put out to pasture by the time it was uh, essentially dead in 2010. So, I, yeah. Uh, but, you know, after that, it was just sort of a legacy system, not even for its its own native uh, support, but legacy system because so many people had hacked theirs that, like, people still continue to try to squeeze the most out of a hacked PSP for a very long time. Yeah. Until people realized, wait, I can just, I can use my phone. That's a lot easier. Yeah. I hate Sony. It's a testament that, like, I'm probably my favorite Sony system at this point. Like, the... Vita is just like full of annoying crap. Oh, that thing's uh, that thing's like actual like OS design is hell. Oh my god, it's legitimately a terrible OS. Yeah, just a bad experience. Like not even like it doesn't work right. It's just like the way it was intended to work is stupid. Yeah, I, uh, I have just had it with Sony. Like the PS5 bit has been such. Like, sure, it plays games nice, but other than that, it's just, like, a frustrating piece of shit. Not even going to mince words. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I've actually used mine in, like, four or five months. I don't... There's not, honestly, a lot to play on either the PS5 or the series at this stage. Yeah. So it's just down to, like, what else can they do for you aside from their exclusive games? And there's not really a lot... PS5 to be doing for you. Don't worry though, you can play Siphon Filter 2 now if you were foolish enough to spend an extra 60 bucks a year. Vomit. Yeah, I think at this point I've spent more time playing PS4 games on the PS5. Oh, 100% for me. Not even a competition. PS5 games I actually play. It's like I've played, okay, I've played um, Demon Souls, which I actively I hate. That. <laughs> I skipped that. I wasn't going to do that again. Uh, um, I played the PS5 version of Lost Judgment. That's a good version. 
Hello, Fire Miner. Hey, Fire Miner. Welcome to the Sony bashing hour. I'm not going to spend the entire hour doing that. I don't care enough, but uh, yeah. <sighs> but that's that's enough of that. You'll, you'll be moving on to the PC versions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this, this should be good. Played on the deck. I assume it's either marked as playable or verified. Oh, look, but yeah. That'll be that. Um, other than that. Also, to answer Fireminer's question, I don't think either of us has tried the Wall Long Fallen Dynasty. Yeah, no, no, I didn't yeah. even realize it came out. Uh, I did order a PS5 game. I Which decided one? to just order. The new Valkyrie, because it looked interesting. Oh, Valkyrie Elysium. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just wanted something to mess around with on the PS5, so... No intentions of yeah. actually finishing it, unless I really enjoy it. But, we'll see what happens. But I want to support Square Enix bringing back some weirdo series, so I, I'm going to... Yeah, contracted out to a weird developer, I'll be interested to see how things go. So that, and I'm going to set aside some funds to get Star Ocean, because Trice. Yeah, I'm sad that, like, that's coming out at the same time as everything else I want to play because I'm not sure that I'll have cash to pick it up. Uh, but as far as stuff I'm actually going to try and finish this year, um, Like a Dragon has been sitting there for a while, and now that I finally, today, finally fucking got it to work on the Steam Deck with the actual controls, I'm going to work on finishing that this year. Like, getting the Game Pass version of that to work with the Steam Deck as a controller was annoying as hell. Which game? Sorry, I was I was reading Fire Miner's Like question. Like a Dragon. <laughs> oh, yeah, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Yeah. The last one to be called Yakuza. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, the Steam version is deck verified, but because, you know, I had made all my progress on Xbox and the Windows Game Pass version, um... There was no way to transfer the save over. I guess some games that's possible, but not this one. Because it's encoded or, or something. Yeah, I, tr I looked into it and tried. No go. So, uh, yeah. It runs great on the deck in Windows. So, play through that. And then and I already have Yakuza 0 waiting on, on the deck. So, I'm going to finally get to that after, but yeah, I'm going to burn through that game at some point in the near future, and then, um, not going to commit to beating it, but I want to make some more progress in Dragon Quest XI, uh, so, a lot of games I wanted to try and beat, I'm probably just going to put by the wayside, uh, like, Triangle Strategy, I will probably play a battle here and there, if I get to the end, great, if not, it's fine. Uh, You'll beat it eventually. Yeah, and anything <laughs> else um, is whatever. Yeah, those are the games I'm going to try and beat this year. I need, I feel like for my mental health, I need to, to make some progress and stuff. You need to clear some things off the backlog. Yes. Uh, oh, and East, East 9 I'm going to finish this year as well. But, you know, East, mm. East games aren't super long. It'll be a very Falcon year. One. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, I got a, a nice Trails in the, what is it, Trails in the Zero? Trails of the see, Trails, Trails from zero. zero. Trails from Zero, special edition staring at me, so 
That's gonna be my motivation to get through Sky. Not like, not yeah. like those are bad games that I have to push through. It's just one of those things where it's like it's easier if you feel like you're working towards something. Right. Like those were never games I fell off because I didn't like. It was just like, you know, especially something shiny yeah, happened. Well, and then... Especially in the PSV days because there were so many cool JRPGs that came out on it. It was like, it seemed like every other month something interesting was coming out and not, you know obviously being out at the same time as the ds we're getting all kinds of atlas rpgs is just truly it was a golden age and all the east <laughs> games on psp it was just like yeah in fact i think i stopped playing trails to finish e7 and kind of went off from there so mm -hmm. yeah it's a big commitment of a game yeah Yeah, I, I think I was always scared of going back to it because people made it seem like the longest RPG known to man. But then I think I then when you I think it's more as a collective. Yeah, they're like forty to fifty hours each. Yeah, I think I think when you said it took you like fifty hours to beat one, it kind of eased my mind into trying to go back and just playing them in the intended order instead of stubbornly trying to finish Cold Steel. So. Yeah, because like a, a a trails game by itself, it's like none of them are short games, but like they're usually like forty to fifty hours, uh, and that's like me doing all of the bracer quests in first and second chapter, doing a fair bit like all of the doors in third uh, in the third. So, and the third like the doors are like the uh, the primary side content. In yeah. the third, you've, there are a lot of the appeal if you're like trying to keep track of what's going to be happening in future games because the doors are sort of there to be like here's something that someone was doing before this game or during second, first and second chapter or between uh, after second chapter, but before, you know. Uh, and then there's a few that are just obviously like this is what they're going to be doing in the next few games, and you should put a pin in this because you're going to want to remember why they are doing it and what they were thinking. Yeah, I think I think my playtimes will probably end up being a little shorter because I'm not necessarily going to do as much side content. Hmm. Not none, but yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, like you're not doing the thing where like I was obsessively making sure to get every bracer point in yeah. the second chapter, which is a very time-consuming thing. Uh, and in order to make sure I didn't screw it up, I played very inefficiently because it was like, I need to make sure that I do every quest the second it becomes available, even if that means going back and forth between two places. Uh, the game will, like, essentially chastise you late in the game if you haven't gotten uh, to, like, at least a bracer rank of C. But it, its chastisement is just basically that it gives you a very funny scene where uh, Estelle tries to pull rank but she always has to list whatever rank you've actually achieved. So if your rank is low, someone points out that that is not an impressive rank. Nice. Just ex it's an extremely funny scene and a very funny way to acknowledge how much the player's been doing. Because <laughs> like if you got if you pull out like B or A rank, it's like oh that's actually very impressive. That's I, I would expect no less uh, from someone like you. But if it's like uh, I'm a I'm an E rank bracer, bracer the bracer girl, it's like that. That's not much to brag about. <laughs> uh, 
Let's see. Uh, Fireminer saying, according to a Chinese streamer, Kudonokishiki 2 seems to be about 50 hours if you play on easy and are constantly on turbo mode. That's the other thing that makes it easier to play the like Steam versions or whatever other ports that include it. Is turbo mode just makes the games run a lot faster. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, before we get into what I've been playing, I want to hit this Fireminer question. Uh, or like this fire minor question, uh, which uh, maybe maybe asking us for something we're out of our depth on. But having played through Elysium, I assume he means Valkyrie Elysium and not Disco Elysium. Uh, is it just me, or does the developer really not know what to do with the story, other than recycling the same beats in Profile One and Two? How much does the recycling have to do with? Valkyrie Profile, being a collection of character-driven stories where character growth is more interesting than the overall narrative. By my side, my noble and Harry are. Uh, I mean, I, I would say that uh, like the function of being an actual Valkyrie in Valkyrie Profile limits the kinds of stories you can tell within the like meta context that they've set up. Uh and so a lot of narrative weight has to come on, like, what the Einherjar uh, yeah. were before they were Einherjar. So, yeah, I could say that there's there's some of that. Like, you need to be kind of weird to make a Falcon, not Falcon, a uh, Tri-Ace franchise work. And sometimes not even Tri-Ace is weird enough to do that. So it'll be interesting to see how Elysium turns out. But I don't think either of us has played any amount of it. So no, I think no we'll put a pin on this question and come back to it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play a little bit of it, and I'll get back to you. Although I never played a bunch of the originals, so maybe I won't have the proper context. <laughs> I will say, though, for a franchise that was dead for a long time, maybe the intent was to... Just assure people that it yeah, was... Yeah, maybe intentionally retread to that same ground, just to be like, you know, the series is back, and kind of doing... Yeah. We'll, we'll know if we get an Elysium, too. Yeah. <laughs> I do, uh, I do wish people would go back and buy Covenant of the Plume, which is a really unique strategy. I have a copy that I've always wanted to mess around with. It, it seemed different, and I, as my love of uh, natural doctrine will tell you, I like weird strategy games that do different things. So I <laughs> play that one. Yeah, it really does do some interesting things to bridge the gap between traditional strategy RPG setup and the way Valkyrie's Profiles combat works, while also having its uh, truly brutal... Uh, you can make things easier, but it involves being a complete monster of a human being. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird concept. I, I love that, because it's yeah. Tri-Ace being weird, and Tri-Ace is at their best when they're being weird. When they're making a game just to expectations, they produce the least interesting work of anyone's career. <laughs> Star Ocean 3. Star Ocean 4. Uh, which is a more, like, competent game, but, you know, like, still not as interesting as I wanted it to be. Uh, it's so... not very good. I mean, Profile 1 Combat is not that elaborate if you think about it, but for the time it was unique. I mean, it's still unique because there's just not a lot of games that stole its combat. Uh, yeah. Like, that, that allows it to retain its novelty to some extent. Uh, okay, before I forget to do that, I need to rant about what I've been playing, and everyone knows what it is. It's Trails in the Sky the Third. Uh, I finished it. 
did all of the doors. I did all but one difficulty mode of the one like so like some of the doors are mini game doors that have things that you would traditionally do as RPG side quests. There's a there's a fishing mini game door. There is uh, an absolutely hellish uh, quiz mini game door that starts with things that a reasonable human being would know, and like as the difficulties go higher from hard to nightmare to maniac, they they rapidly become things that no one should know. Uh, like you'll get quizzed on uh, there is a question I believe in nightmare mode that is uh, in the third uh, very late in the third it's very late in the game that you will run into this door uh, it is asking you for a combination used in a, a number that was given as a combination used in a side quest in the first chapter of trails in the sky first chapter Jesus and it's just like, yeah, you're, you're you're a lunatic. You remember this, right? And so, yeah, I, I got through that. I got through... The only thing that I did not manage to beat was the hardest form of the battle arena. Uh, which has... A, like, I got to the last fight in it, and looked at what that last fight was going to be uh it's two of the hardest bosses from the third fought together in tandem and the third is already harder than either of the other two and it's like what what i looked at was like i looked at the fight i was having and the uh what was ahead of me and i basically just said to myself this is not at my with my current loadout, this is not a winnable fight. Hmm. Like they, this was just, it was possible if I was willing to do some grinding and to rethink my uh, character loadout a great deal. And it was not that was not something that I had time in my life for. So I didn't. I lost to that fight and stopped doing the arena. <laughs> it was just like, no, no, I don't think that I can beat. Uh, Two characters who are both uh, reputed in story and uh, clearly made as such in their individual fights to be the strongest characters, essentially uh, among the strongest characters in the franchise. Uh, uh, Fireminer saying, Trail fans like to joke that the Hood's door in Sky 3 to train tail fans into uh, train fans into Kiseki conspiracy theorists. Seriously, I recently found a blog devoted solely to uh, Kiseki theory crafting, uh, and they make more sense than whatever Falcon had in Trails of the Reverie. We'll see about that when I get there, uh, approximately a year from now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, I did. All those doors, there is, I think it's star door number 11, uh, that uh, is basically just 30 to 40 minutes long cutscene that is all just place setting for this is what we intend to do in Crossbell and uh, Erebonia in the coming games. And 
it's it's very useful. There's definitely uh, characters that are introduced in some of the uh, sequences in Trails in the Sky the Third, where it's just like, well, I'm glad that I got the initial introduction to them because I would not want to be like, who the hell is this when I <laughs> run into them inevitably in Crossbell and Colts, you know. Uh, and uh, not, uh, but a lot of them are, are nice. There's some there's some doors that like I guess depending upon whether you consider the spoilers, like some of the doors are uh, like background stuff. There's a door that's really cute because it's uh, in Trails in the Sky first chapter. The opening scene is uh, you know Joshua being brought. Uh, to the Bright home and uh, Estelle's father Cassius is basically like yep we're keeping this, this is your brother now and uh, we, we don't really see anything between there and uh, and five years later when both of them are now 16 and ready to become junior bracers uh, Trails in the Sky the third, one of the, one of the doors uh, that you find is the essentially showing you the events of the following weeks uh, after Joshua and, uh, came to the Bright household. And it's, it's really cute to see, like, oh, that's how these two characters actually, like, you know, came to be close rather than just, yep, it happened. <laughs> and there's a, there's a lot of stuff like that that is uh, just buried in the doors in... Uh, Trails in the Sky the Third. I wouldn't say that there was uh, that there were many of them that I would not have wanted to have seen. So, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's a very it's a it's a strong game uh, in general. Uh, you get a lot of uh, interesting. Uh, background insight into uh, the, the third gives you a much stronger insight into uh, like the nature of uh, various factions within the world like especially because you're playing as a uh, father in the Septian church you get a lot more idea of how that is structured and what's going on with it, which is useful. Uh, some of the villains from second chapter get a lot more explication uh, of what motivates them and, uh, you know, who they have cooperated with in the past. A lot of stuff that's just useful information to have that uh, fills out the world more. So, a lot of fun uh, doing that. Uh, the, the switch in protagonists from Estelle to Kevin Graham was interesting. Kevin's a very different kind of person than Estelle, and uh, the the journey that that takes us on is very different. But yeah, it's it's good to have that contrast between protagonists. Uh, just how weird. Okay, let's take a look at this. Uh, Fireminer asks, just how weird can a franchise turn out to be? Like we start in Sky as Dooku, there's trying to help people in Life Road 2. We are shady private detectives doing Groundhog Day. Well, didn't need to know that spoiler, but oh well. Um, 
hopefully I'll forget it by the time that comes out in 2026. But, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, like that's big swings in terms of thematics and style are, uh, how you keep a franchise fresh, especially one that's full of 50 hour RPGs. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of... Great to me. Are we saying this is bad? Cause this, that I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's bad. I think it's just, like, a concept that it's it's weird to think about, because, like... But that's the luxury you get when you have a uh, long-running series that is contiguous. Yeah. Uh, and you get to Cold Steel that's kind of Persona-ish. Yeah, like, you, you get those long series that are contiguous. Uh, it's interesting because uh, one, one of the things that's freeing about something like Final Fantasy is that you don't have continuity that you're having to come back to again and again and again. So you're allowed to be free every single time. But that means that, like, it's harder to turn expectations on their head when people don't have as many of them, and clearly people have plenty of expectations for something like Final Fantasy. But you can't, like, it, it's harder to show people a, a new perspective on an old world when you can't rely on what their expectations already are of that world. Whereas with something like Kiseki, you can, because it's contiguous, because so much has been built up, you can... Uh, you can actively betray expectations or change things up and suddenly like all that old stuff that you've already done can be fresh again because of the weird new twist you've taken on it even though you're still reusing a lot of things which is why you get something like Trails in the Sky the Third or whatever the hell Kuruna Kiseki 2 is doing. Uh, yeah, talking about how DQ doesn't really do that. It, well, it, it, it does, but it saves it for spinoffs. But, um, yeah. Also, any thoughts on DQ Treasures? Eh, looks fun. <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, there's there's not a lot to go on. Like they've shown, they've shown like a lot of it, but in a real sense, I still don't have a great idea of how it plays. Um, I'm willing to give it a try. But yeah, like, uh, you know. Uh, I think one of the things that has made uh, the Trails games interesting is that they are not made by a company with essentially infinite money to throw at them. Like, inevitably, come hell or high water, they must produce an RPG. But they're not content to just create strictly a formula that all of them by. They're all twists on this, like, on a fairly standard RPG formula, and, like, in first and second chapter, the twist is as much just that the scope of things is very large. In uh, Crossbell, it's essentially just the fact that, like, they're doing these, like, overarching continuing plots that most long RPGs resolve in one game. There's still uh, plots that are going on and it's also the idea of, well, you know, we don't have to... Like, we can make an entire RPG that takes place essentially in one city-state. Uh, 
and then with uh, Cold Steel, they start bringing in like uh, like the the crossbow games have this to a certain extent too. But in Cold Steel, they start really emphasizing the bonding events, uh, and then in Kudo, we're seeing like further things that are like taking this uh, this concept but modernizing it for the times, but it's still within continuity with the old ones. It's, you know, it's it's interesting to see uh, a company that is constantly approaching these with a lateral thinking thought process because like you know uh to, to look at something like second chapter uh it's it's a quote-unquote standard sequel in the sense that it is continuing the same plot in the same areas but because of the way that it's like reliant on the fact that you already know so much uh that it can drag you from place to place without an idea of how they connect because you figured out in the first chapter how they connect and why you should care about them uh, so, you know, you, you get a lot of, like, they were able to reuse just tons and tons of assets because of that. Like, there's, you know, there's a bunch of new dungeons, but there's also just a lot of reused overworld, and that allows them to uh, really make the new stuff count, which helps a lot as well. But, yeah. So that's Trails. Um, my copy of Trails from Zero did not arrive yet. It, uh, it reached a uh, carrier facility or whatever yesterday, and there was... Oh god, is it FedEx? No, it was UPS. Uh, reached carrier yes facility, not yesterday, today, like this morning at 4 a.m. And then I guess they decided they were plum-tuckered and they weren't going to try to get it onto the uh, shipment uh, today, and so it sat doing nothing for the entirety of the day, even though it's in a shipping facility in my city. So that's fun. Didn't no, I'm not bitter. I've had that happen before. It's it's, uh, it's not fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a little frustrating because I actually am ahead of where I expected to be on my uh, Trails of Thon. I thought that I would only be a decent chunk into Trails the Third by the time that I got Trails from Zero. And it turns out, no, I actually finished it before I got Trails from Zero. So that's a weird feeling to have. I didn't expect to be ahead of schedule. Yeah. So, uh, after I finish Trails from Zero, probably sometime next month, I guess I'll play the Gagarv games. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to do anything halfway at this stage. And it would, to me, be very funny to be, like, one of the only people... One of the only people uh, in America who has played all of the localized Legend of Heroes games. That would be extremely funny to me. <laughs> yeah. So, I've already finished uh, Legend of Heroes 1 and 6. Can't play 2. No one has ever localized it. Not even the fan translation. So, 3, 4, and 5 after I play 7, part 1. Fireminer um, uh, asks, just how bad of a translation can make you quit? Depends upon how dialogue-reliant the game is. But, uh... Is that Wii game? Gonna have to be more specific. 
It was the one that used that weird southern expression where it was raining and the character just says, oh, the devil must be beating his wife. Are you thinking of Arkwright's Fantasia? Yeah, that's the one. The fan translate the translation did not actually get me to stop uh did not get me to stop on that one. I actually like that game. Works to know. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Maybe uh, I think the, I do think the translation doesn't do it any good. Yeah. But I do think that what's underneath it is actually quite interesting. Interesting. Uh Arkwright's Fantasia. It always sort of gave me, like, weird, almost Tales of the Abyss vibes, even though there's not actually anything that connects them that I'm aware of. Interesting. So I can say, but, um... Uh, the translation of Final Fantasy V on PS1 made me quit. Oh, yeah, that one's dog shit. That's yeah. a real bad translation. I don't think that's what made me quit at the time, though. It was like a failure for me as like a 10-year-old to really understand what the appeal of the game was. Uh, you know, I think it's that and just... I'm just not a big Final Fantasy V fan. I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's much easier for me to play it in constrained ways because that forces me to play it in a way that's more fun than trying to make everyone good at everything, which inevitably is what I get bogged down in if I try to play it without constraints. Yeah. But with constraints, I've played it like four or five times. It's a good breezy 20 hours. But yeah, I, I have a extreme tolerance for bad translations. Unless it's like straight up grammatically broken, I can sit through a lot. Yeah. But it's also, it, it's really well dependent upon how much does the, what's interesting about the original script shine through, presuming that the original script was interesting, which can be a big ask. But how much of the original script manages to shine through, and how much, uh, uh, you know, is is the game uh, heavily script driven as well? Because like obviously, if something is like half visual novel and the translation is garbage, then oh well, I guess I'm done here. <laughs> did you, you know, Fireminer asked, did you have to import Destiny 2 to play it? I assume. He's talking about Tales of Destiny and not the game <laughs> Destiny 2 I'm currently playing. I would have to. I, I, I would need more clarification on that. Uh, maybe he means um, Tales of Eternia. Oh, that did con like Tales of Eternia. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think Fireminer uh, just just based on some of the statements. That Fireminer has made. I don't know that Fireminer is uh, is American. At least that wasn't my presumption. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, actual Destiny too. No, uh, I don't. Is. We we don't get what you mean by import in this context. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, Destiny 2 is online only. Uh, even if you get a disc, it just installs it and you don't even need the disc anymore. You can shuck that thing. Yeah. Oh, sequel to. Oh, the actual Tales of Destiny 2. Oh, okay, oh, that's the thing. <laughs> the one that I can. Yes. yes. Yeah. I did import it at one time and messed around with it, but. Uh, 
waited forever it's one of those. fan translation for that. Yeah, we've got a we've got a Destiny director's cut fan translation now, so I imagine oh, Destiny good. Two is likely. Everything I've heard about Destiny Two is the is like this is interesting. I'm not sure if it's good. Uh, if just you, in terms of like what its plot is. If you go back to old uh, Q and A columns, not even the podcast, uh, we've frequently fawned over like Tales of Hearts and that that brand of the Tales series that fans seem to be ignoring. Which does trace its roots back to Destiny Two and te- Destiny Directors. Yes, which fans seem to be ignoring in favor of fawning over an updated version of a game we already had. Added a pirate. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, Vesperia is a very middle of the road trail uh, tales game to me. Yeah, it's that's fine. What can, I'm seeing a uh, Destiny Two fan translation, at least far enough along that they've inserted text. So, uh, yeah, from the same people that did the Destiny director's cut. Uh, patch. So let me see if it, it looks like they intended to do Destiny Two first. So I'm not sure if it actually happened already or not. Uh, well, hey, yeah, fan translation of two of the worst uh, Tales games in Tempest and uh, whatever the hell the one was after Tempest. Innocence. Yeah, that's Innocence awesome. is a very middle of the road game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, weirdly, yeah. gets an even worse remake on Vita. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone played Innocence R. That was weird. Um, I'm actually curious if Rebirth has got a translation at this point. Because it's one of those things I would back. Okay, yeah, there is a ongoing Rebirth fan translation. That one had like quite a reputation way back in the day. Uh, like the the hardcore fans would generally talk about how Tales of Rebirth was one of the strongest ones for like it's but like that's one that has possibly the least footprint in English like the only parts of it that ever have come the only things about it that have ever come over are references to it in the first uh, Tales of the World game uh, for PSP so yeah, that's actually thinking about tales today i'm just like this is like the it's like a b-tier rpg series that fans treat like it's an a plus 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 series that's like world renowned or something the way i would describe tales is that it is the most consistent and i think that a lot of like i love a lot of them yeah, and no, I too. don't I don't love a lot of them, but like the the way I would describe it is that for a very long time, games that were just unabashedly JRPG ass JRPGs just weren't happening. And in that time Tales was still happening. That makes sense. And so that, yeah, that makes gave it that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah, so like in some sense the the uh Tales games continuing to be as even as the tide for such a long time instilled like at least i always have this yeah 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 makes a lot of sense and some of them some of them are standout games like they're not always the ones we actually get here but you know 
Uh, Tales of Hearts is an I'm incredible sorry. game. To to be more specific, the good version of Tales of Hearts. I, I said Tales of Hearts, not Tales of Hearts. Sorry, you know what I was talking. But, uh, you know, Tales of Hearts and Tales of the Abyss and it, it, for, for all of its warts, it, you know, I still think Abyss is an extremely strong game. Uh, Same. It's what got me into the series, I think. Uh, and honestly, I think a lot of that is even the localization because you've got, like, Yuri Lowenthal just killing it in that game. So there's like Luke is one of the stronger protagonists the series has had, uh, in part because he's one of the ones that is not supposed to just be heroic. Yeah. Uh, has to has to earn being heroic. He's yeah. very flawed and for very good story reasons. Yeah. And it makes his arc very interesting and compelling mm-hmm. and thought provoking, honestly. In a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah t- Tales, uh, you know, it's a very up and down series, but being, uh, in, in terms of, like, raw quality, I still hold, I still have an axe to grind with Legendia, which honestly is not an interesting enough game to have an axe to grind with, but it was just so boring, I'm sorry. Uh, At least the Tales of Arise is very good. I don't know, I haven't finished it, so I don't know where the story goes, but gameplay-wise, it's evolving the series in ways that I like. Yeah, I liked what I played, I just wasn't in the mood for it at the time, so I let it uh, fall by the wayside, but I like what I've played quite a bit. I was actually pondering, uh, just waiting for a sale and grabbing it and playing it on the Steam Deck. I mean, not a bad place to play it. But I don't know. Might just stick with the Xbox version. Yeah, it's hard to play when the nine-year-old is constantly playing Fortnite and other weird-ass games on the Xbox. Have you ever heard of Gang Beasts? I've heard the name. Yeah. It sucks. I hate it. Tell me how you really feel. I want to, uh-huh. I want to burn it to a CD and throw it into the ocean. Please don't waste a CD on that. No, it wouldn't fit on the scene anyway. That's true. But even if it would fit on, like, even if you had, like, a vulnerable Blu-ray and you burned it to death, it would still be just wasteful for no real reason. Uh, but yeah, uh, oh yeah, other, other Tales games I like. I still like, uh, even the original Destiny, it's still got a nostalgic place in my heart. It has some really nice, uh, sprite work for that era, and it's just kind of charming, even if the Translation leaves a fair bit to be desired. Yeah. Uh, and of F course, is very good. what's that? Grace's. Oh, Grace's F. Yeah, big big fan of Grace's F. Even though I think that the F content is honestly not that interesting. Yeah. Uh, but it's fine. It's optional. Yeah. Just play Grace's. But uh, the other thing. Uh, and and you know, I always liked uh, Symphonia at the time. Still still enjoy it. Uh, but it's one of those perfect like B plus games that t- took you by surprise back in the day, and that's that's worth something. And you know what else? I'll, I'll, I'll that game eventually at some point. <laughs> and you know what? I'll stump I'll stump for Dawn of the New World as well. That game gets too much hate. Yeah, I got rid of my Wii version of it that that I will never play, but I still have the collection of PS3. So. 
Yeah. Uh, and soon we will have the utterly perplexing uh, remaster of the first game. Don't know what's going on with that. It's weird, but whatever. I got a, one of them on Switch. <laughs> it's, I just, I don't... Like, that's coming to every console. I don't know what's supposed to make it better than the uh, collection that had both games that no. uh, was available on everything other than Switch. So, we'll see. Um, Weird. And, yeah. And Eternia is fine. I played the European PSP version, which is a fine port of a fine game. Nothing particularly amazing as far as I'm concerned, but, you know, a solid B. Yeah, there wasn't anything about it that I was like, I don't enjoy this. It's like, no, I had a good time with that. It's not... It's not something I tell someone like you need to go and track this down. Yeah, but, you know, it's fine. It's perfectly perfect. Cromulent. Yep, good comfort food RPG. That's true of a lot of the Tales of games. Like even even the ones I super don't like. Uh, if you maybe except maybe of Legendia, I just don't think that game is just bad. But some of the ones that I'm not huge on, if you just approach them with the right attitude, they are yeah. you know it's it pretty solid comfort food RPG. Yeah, oh, I just grabbed Brasseria on for the deck because it was on sale for like four dollars. Uh, like, that feels like a perfect deck game because yeah. it's like nine million hours long. Yeah, but it's uh, like four four bucks. Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> easy way to fill out the library, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, next time I'm reaching for a comfort food RPG at this stage, I'll probably just play another Trails game. Yeah. <laughs> So many, there's so many. Uh, but yeah. Uh, also, you are dropping frames like a motherfucker. Um, uh, this is PowerPoint presentation. Uh, these cocks now, I was trying to get rid of them. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, I wanted to, to touch on this before. Uh, we forget about it entirely since the last episode before this uh, finishes out. It just went back to green. Uh, I think we're okay. Arm Fantasia and Penny Blood have collectively crusted the $2 million mark on Kickstarter. Yay. And they've revealed all, they've hit a number of further stretch goals. A uh, bunch of additional arm types were added to Arm Fantasia. Uh, a weird. Uh, pit fights and a pedometer minigame or whatever the hell is going on. Penny Blood. Uh, so, you know, those are those are looking like they're doing well. Uh, let's see what else. Say. Fantasia. But yeah, th those are doing well. They're getting that last few days uh, home stretch. But if you haven't contributed and you like that uh, era of JRPGs. If you want those comfort food RPGs to come back, this looks like a great place to bring it back. They showed uh, a... They, they did like a sort of pre-alpha demonstration of what Armed Fantasia looks like right now. Clearly sound has like been edited in afterwards, but the track that they've edited in is super nice. has like a really nice uh, patina of whistling over it that I'm appreciating. Uh... But it showed it showed a lot of, you know, like they, they seem to be really focusing on, you know what, 
uh, Wild Arms was never really able to bring across. It was an interesting aspect of those settings was exploring these uh, mm. sort of bit like, you know, American Southwest inspired uh, plains and deserts. So they seem to be really emphasizing that in those uh, demonstrations that are available to view on the Kickstarter and the updates. Uh, very interesting looking. Uh, very excited for both of those. Uh, the They showed some more combo attacks for Pennyblood, so the replacement for the Judgment Ring makes, uh, gets a bit more play, so we can see what that looks like. Also, Pennyblood may be shooting, maybe may cruising for a bruising in terms of uh, what may be ultimately actionable about. Uh, so, for those who played Shadow Hearts, uh, you may remember a horrible goblin of a man named Roger Bacon. Did you play Shadow Hearts, Wheels? No, I did not. So, there's a horrible goblin of a man named Roger Bacon in it. Uh, Late in the one of my favorite things I've ever seen in an RPG is late in the game. He, uh, smoking Joe says, I'm an ninja. Boo, I don't think that's what ninjas do. Uh, is he, is he in voice chat? Oh, yeah, he is. He is now. <laughs> but yeah, you before. You son of a bitch. yeah, uh, fucking uh, Roger Bacon. One of the best jokes I've ever seen in RPG, extremely weird, is uh. That late in Shadow Hearts One, Roger Bacon shows up to give a plot dump. And then afterwards, he briefly has like a name screen, like he's going to join the party. But before you can actually interact with it, he just says, "Haha, thought you could name me, did you?" And then the th it closes, and he never joins your party. Nice. Extremely strange. Don't know what he don't know what the hell that was about. But yeah, he's like a weird goblin of a man. He's based on a real person which is why they're getting away with having a Roger Bacon in Penny Blood. But the real Roger Bacon lived in, like, the 1200s. Uh, in Shadow Hearts, it was explained that he had like, he was, like, an alchemist that found the secret of immortality. And uh, Penny Blood takes place in the early 1900s, like 1920s, I believe. And uh, there's a Roger Bacon running around, and he's a weird goblin of a man. And he seems to have found the secret of immortality, but it's okay this time because he's a wizard. <laughs> Very different from an alchemist. So yeah, uh, I don't think anyone who would have a piece of Shadow Hearts has the appetite to try to sue them for that, but even though Roger Bacon is a person in the historical domain, I'm not sh I'm not sure that you could make the argument that they wouldn't maybe have a case. But yeah, so... That's fun, though. It's it's another one of those things where it's like, uh, to, to be fair, Arm Fantasia is repeatedly always capitalizing the word arm. So they, they, if someone wanted to make a stink, they probably they might be able to do that with that as well. So here's to hoping no one tries to make a stink about either of those things. Uh. Hey, did you ever play Enchanted Arms? No, it looked really boring. <laughs> Is it in some way re related to Wild Arms? No. no, that was a From Software game. Yeah. Oh. It's made by your developer of uh, Elden oh. Ring. <laughs> really? How sure about that? Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty, oh. by, by all appearances, it was a pretty by the numbers JRPG. Yeah, I've played it. It's not, it's not great. Okay. 
but it, it seemed is, like it was mostly trying for if you want to play it on your <laughs> on your xbox series yeah, but yeah like it to, to me it always struck me as a game that was sort of you know to describe it it felt like it was trying to just take advantage of the fact that there weren't a lot of not take advantage of the fact, but it was built on like this thought process of first mover advantage. There aren't a lot of JRPGs on the 360 yet. It came out before Vesperia, before Infinite on Discovery, before Star Ocean Last Hope, before F13. Uh, you guys guess. played Folklore, yeah. recently got the disc for PS3. I played a bit of it way back in the day. Same. It's Folklore fine. on PS3? Yeah, that was a great game. Yeah, I've been trying to find it's a fine. copy of it, actually. This you ha you briefly had it in your possession when you agreed to sell all my PS3 stuff for me. Did I? Oh, fuck. Why did I not get <laughs> that? I'm pretty sure you did, yeah. I think there is... Oh. Uh, did you not have the case or something? Maybe it was scratched or something. I, think, I don't remember. I think there was something with, with it that... I don't know. Okay. Yeah, Maybe. There aren't a lot of Irish themes. Like Irish folklore themed. Mythical rounds of Ternanog. Yeah. And being, being yeah. part Irish, I would love more of that, but it just doesn't exist. It's a neat, uh, it's a neat concept. I, I don't recall the game itself being necessarily much to write home about as a broad gameplay proposition, but it was, it's, it was neat enough, especially for those early PS3 years where there wasn't fine. a lot to play. Use this the actual like the hell with the motion controls and that controller called six axis six axis yeah 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 they tried to force that into a bunch of early games yeah yeah to the point where they absolutely fucked Factor Five six ways from Sunday yeah. you ever hear about this it's incredible is this about Lair yeah Lair was uh, in order to uh, meet their the stipulations of their contract uh lair had to reach a certain level of sales and a certain like metacritic score oh. and you'll never guess what tanked its metacritic score really really hard the forced motion controls those forced motion controls that sony said they had to include in the last few months of development and said that they oh. couldn't include analog stick controls in the initial release man damn you sony it was it was like a really brazen dicking over in that one. It's like they had other games that they were contracted to make, but the stipulation was that Lair had to do well in order to get for those games to have budgets. And then Factor 5 went out of business because they couldn't find publishers. You ever get this so. feeling that Sony doesn't actually want you to buy their consoles or their games? <laughs> I have long been an advocate of the notion that Sony is mostly successful by raw accident, <laughs> and their opponents screwing up even worse. Why did Bungie yep. sell themselves to Sony? This is just, as I'm playing Destiny, just making less and less sense. Uh, because it beat selling themselves to Tencent. That's the best guess I've got. Tencent. There's an interesting video not that long ago about what happened to the majority of Sony's Japan studio after that got completely fucked. The answer seems to have been a hell of a lot of them uh, ended up at Nintendo because that was the company that could actually take on and was still hiring in Japan. So. 
like Gravity Rush people, a bunch of the Bloodborne people, all of them ended up at like Monolith Soft. Sweet. Uh, what did you th What did you think of Puppeteer? I forgot that existed. Yeah, I was Puppeteer. playing it the other day. The PS3 it's, game, PS4. It yeah. was. Yeah, it was a PS3 game, Japan Studio. Um, it's the game I was telling you about. It reminds me of Dynamite Heady to the point where I think oh, yeah, maybe somebody from Treasure worked for them because it, it the whole game is like a play and you get different types of heads with different abilities it's like huh where have i seen this before huh. dynamite headward yep anyways it's a very mediocre uh platformer with mediocre but dialogue. creative yeah exactly Reminds very creative of... but just mostly just run and jump that's it Mm -hmm. Reminds me of the announced but never shown and quietly cancelled GameCube game uh, Marionette, which was supposed to be a puppet-based platform that Nintendo was working on. Oh, there was a game called Star Child, I think. It was going to be a PSVR game, a platformer, and I think it got cancelled. I was hoping it might resurface on PSVR 2, but that's doubtful. Which will not play your PSVR 1. Hey, yeah, it won't. <laughs> it's not backwards uh, compatible. Like, what the fuck, Sony? Fireminer is stumping for uh, Puppeteer saying that uh, they really liked it more than Tearaway on the Vita. Yeah, Tearaway but yet, sucks. I, I feel like the thing that was sad about the Shattering of Japan studio is that it represented the absolute death knell of Sony first party producing anything that was not, like, ludicrously expensive and therefore as... Uh, a consequence wildly unambitious. <laughs> like the it was it was the final like death death blow of the the American arm of Sony's uh, interactive entertainment has taken control, and they are running it the way that they expect uh, you know games to be run, and that involves like very specifically calculating like well we make the most returns on like these really huge games that sell like a bazillion copies run focus on those that means we can't focus on like smaller games that don't sell a bazillion copies even if their budgets are like a fraction of the huge games and so you end up mostly with them using a very focus tested we are going to make a big ass open world and there's going to be a really sad dad in us Game development is just now like them. Yeah, it's it's a lot like the movie division. Like they've they've fully blockbusterized it. But Japan Studio was like the last part of them that just made small scale, lower stake shit. And like back in the day, like their Japan Studio produced a lot of stuff that like I don't know that I necessarily always wanted to play it, but it was always interesting. Like you look at something like Forbidden Siren, and like that game's honestly miserable to play in a lot of ways but it's weird no one else was making it yeah. I uh, really have a lot of fondness for Gravity Rush Gravity Rush the Ape Escape games were always you know a pleasure I mean you know we've, we've eulogized them before but they were always a reliable hand when like a company uh, was making a Playstation game and needed just more people to help them make it a reality like Bloodborne would not have existed without Japan's there was not enough bandwidth to fund software for, their, for them to just make Bloodborne and how. And the work that Japan Studio turned in on Bloodborne is incredible. And yeah. Now most of those people just ended up in Monolith Soft. 
which Monolith Soft has become Nintendo's reliable hand at. This we just need bodies to throw it again. Yeah, yeah, because they um helps with other games. I think Splatoon three they helped finish and. There's yeah they got they helped get Splatoon three across the finish line. They've helped with the last two Zelda games to get them across the finish line. Uh, they've even done like development assistance on things like Mario Kart. Like they just they help make sure that if you just need bodies to throw out a project, they are a stable hand who will help you. And uh, they, you know, Nintendo, Sony's lost as Nintendo's game in this case. Uh, yeah, uh, oh, for the days of the, I, I miss Ape Escape. I, I will never get over. They made a like 20th anniversary Ape Escape Twitter account, and they were like, "More announcements to come." Like they, they did some like. Uh, cutesy, like little skit sort of things where it's like, here's a little, here's a guy in a ape escape outfit, and they're doing silly, they're doing japes, and then, uh, like that sporadically posted occasionally throughout the year, and then at the end of the year, nothing had been announced. It was just like, happy anniversary, this is over. Uh, I felt betrayed. Why did you bother? Did you just do this to hurt me? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know. So yeah, that's that's where we've been. Uh, that's. But yeah, I think the I think that video was on like good vibes gaming, which is a good YouTube channel. They're way more famous than we are, but you know, credit works too. Um, uh, is an ape escape? Uh, Fireminer asks, "Is an ape escape just a demo for the original DualShock?" I would not call it a demo. I would say it is a proof of the worth of the DualShock. Before people realized that the second analog stick was good for uh, the camera, like that idea did not take hold until people were guaranteed to have. A DualShock, which is why you don't really see it until PS2. But, like, the actual uses that they put the right analog stick to are very tactile and fun. And, you know, if Escape still holds up, those games are still quite fun. I say that having played through to 100% earlier this year. Still a lot of fun. Give them a shot if you've never tried them. On the PlayStation Plus Premium tier, I think. Yep, you can play that in Siphon Filter too. Yeah. Yep. Oh god, I need to I need to talk about this because I was listening to Digital Foundry and it sounded absolutely bananas what they had done. The Siphon Filter two was uh, put onto PS Plus Premium, and of course, naturally in the U.S. it's the U.S. version. Uh, But, yeah, uh, I'll get to the environment uh, I just said in a minute. But, like, uh, they they put the U.S. version on uh, the U.S. store, and then they put the European version on the European store, which people are naturally pissed about because the 50 hertz version is just bad. Like, it is worse in every way for no reason. But that's, that's where they are. Um, but, yeah, so they... Uh, and then, like, shortly after, they put on, like, a, 
an update that allowed you to uh, switch from switch the to a 60 hertz version in the European version. And it's like, oh, that's great. And then it's like, no, it's not great because it's not actually the North American like native 60 hertz version. It's the 50 hertz version being forced to run at 60 hertz and playing yeah. like shit because of it. Oh. And it's like, I don't even know why you would have had to put in extra effort to do that. It would have been easier to just give people a toggle. Also, somehow, this PlayStation 1 game is like 6 gigabytes to download. I don't know how they did that. What the fuck? How do you do that? That is the size of 10 PS1 discs. How is... How? What? What? <laughs> I don't know what, what happened. No matter what kind of wrapper they have wrapped around it in order to make it playable, I don't know how you do that. Oh my god, it's incredible. I don't know don't know what happened. It's just clown shoots. Greetings. Uh, yeah, let's uh put these last couple uh things for the Fireminer just put in. Feels like Asteroids Playroom is the last of that kind of game as demo or proof of concept, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, I mean that was that was definitely I mean it's the only part of uh, Sony Japan Studio that gets to live. Uh, but yeah, like it, it's basically just to be like, here's a proof of concept. Uh, now what can Sony even innovate with their controllers? I mean they they've usually been kind of late to the party on innovating with their controllers. If I'm being honest. I wouldn't call brought... it innovation to, to make a new $180 Pro controller. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, even that, like, that the, the Xbox Elite controller already exists. That's clearly what the thought process was. Like, a, an answer to that kind of, like, premium controller for people who want that kind of thing. I, I'm not even going to begrudge them that, but it's like, that's, that's not an innovation. Like, the most wow. innovative thing I can really think of like they have introduced controllers is I suppose you could like this, the idea of two analog sticks is I suppose like an idea of their invention there was not a standardized controller with two analog sticks before the DualShock although it's clear that they didn't have a lot of ideas for what to do with it I feel like it was mostly done as like uh, uh, the N64 has one analog stick we'll have two <laughs> but uh, let's see Uh, yeah, like, well, I don't really like the DualSense 5 controller that much. Because for one thing, it's very bulky and heavy, but then the adaptive triggers, I'm like, that just means I have to press the trigger harder. I don't want that. And, yeah, I turn those off immediately in whatever games but, I play with the thing, because the few times yeah. I've actually turned them on, they just sort of feel like, it just feels like my controller is broken. Right, but. and and all the haptic feedback, and I'm like, I'm sorry, but I just don't really give a shit. Like, I think the PS4 controller was, or DualShock 4 was one of the best controllers um, in terms of size more. and weight. And I think that but, controller um, is garbage. Okay, I think Absolute I think it's garbage. a fine controller, except for the fact that I despise the touchpad, which is the other thing I was going to say. Yeah. My favorite person only wants to do that, but like uh. they they very swiftly showed that like. Much like the second analog stick, only no one followed their lead and found a, a, a use for it. Like the touchpad, very quickly became we just need another button. Like trying to get any sort of precision out of this doesn't make any sense. It's not ergonomic to access. Uh, it's 
too small to be written. Like, you would have to move your finger off, your hand off of one prong of the controller in order to actually get any sort of precision out of it. And that never made any sense. Yeah. So, like, that, that, I have, I hate that that is something that they've just decided they have to live with. It needs, because too many games use it as another button. And it's, you know, it takes up so much controller real estate for something so worthless. Mine is, I want a controller that's smaller and lighter. And it that's is now I impossible want. to make the controller smaller. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, it feels like they guilted the Lily a bit too much for, with the dual sense to me. Like, the, the changes they've made to it are quite strange. But yeah, uh, I don't hate it. I'm not in love with it. But every everything that they've done to try to improve it from the DualShock Four doesn't really hold much sway to me. Uh, DualSense is cool for FPS, but if you want to play platform RPGs and buy something like a Horde Fight Pad, yeah, like that's that's the other thing is that it definitely feels like they felt like they were at a disadvantage to the Xbox with its uh, control layout that's very suited to FPSs and FPSs are huge. So they tried to sort of bring in some of the design language of the Xbox controller, and it makes like this weird halfway house that doesn't feel great uh, for... Like, it is a slightly more FPS-oriented controller that probably works a little better for them, but if you want to do other things with it, you're getting like a weird halfway house that isn't great in either direction. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm not, like, Sony very much strikes me as a company that just sort of does things. Like, this is, it's an ongoing thing that, uh, like, if you look at essentially every part of the company, it always feels like they kind of have these R&D teams that just get let loose to do whatever. And... Uh, when left to their own devices, they produce objects that are uh... Sega Pico. <laughs> yeah, like Se Sega was another company with an uh, infamously bloated R and D department. Right. But like, you, if you look at like Sony's history of producing things, you'll just find even in their like uh, audio equipment or TVs or everything else they would just produce things that's like your r&d department made this without ever having an idea of how anyone would use it i remember the virtual boy no <laughs> yeah that's that's another that's one of nintendo's yes. like we didn't think about how this would be used uh but like you know i i I don't, I, I I don't super care for, like these these so like I'm gonna drag out some, uh like Sony non-video game equipment where it's like you never thought a single time about who was going to use this or why. Uh, there's the uh Discman that is smaller than a compact disc, and in order to play a proper compact disc, it has to. Uh, allow that disc to spin outside of the uh, actual 
dish man itself, like a buzzsaw. Uh, this thing is extremely prone to failure because it uh, has, like, a weird mechanism that causes the entire, like, CD reading assembly to slide around the damn thing in order to allow it to play a CD single when those were smaller than CDs. Uh, which, you know, no real reason for that. Uh, or, like, there's a time that they made a Walkman that had two tape decks in it. An idea that is just functionally useless unless you just need to be able to dub things from one tape to another like at all times but also it's a super unreliable thing because slamming two tape mechanisms into that small of a space was not a good idea Over on the other side of the pit. I just like the, or you know you'll get like these TVs that they were putting out that are like we're gonna do 3D TVs like are they gonna be easy for anyone to make use of no you have to put on the glasses okay then like, what was the use case for this? Are you just assuming that I'm going to buy a bazillion pairs of glasses? Or do you just assume that I don't have anyone else in my home? <laughs> like, it was, uh, or, you know, like the their early forays into OLED TVs that they completely abandoned until someone else, until other companies started finding ways to make OLED TVs work properly. It's just, uh, like, at a, at a size and scale that people expected out of TVs. Like, those early OLED TVs are from, like, 2010 or so. And, like, they're they're tiny because you can't get yields on OLED, uh, OLED screens that are larger than the size of, like, a Vita screen. We talk about the Vita all the time, but that was like, yeah, what did you, like, you've got a touchscreen and a back touchpad and proprietary memory no sticks. thoughts as to what that back, there was no thoughts OLEDs as to what that back touchpad was going to even be used for. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you didn't get developers on board and you, and then, uh, oh, we'll give it 3G. Why? Because everything should have 3G. Yeah, which became rapidly outdated before the fleet was dead. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, it's it's just you know like they they just they just do things. There's a there's a line I love quoting from uh, Barclay Shut Up and Jam Guide uh, that I'm going to paraphrase uh, uh, to paraphrase for this. Uh, I believe Sony are like a dog and they just sort of do things arbitrarily. For those who never played Barclay Shut Up and Jam Gaiden, the original context for that line is you uh, running into some ghosts and characters trying to uh, determine uh, what purpose their actions are meant to serve and Barclay himself just says, I believe ghosts are like dogs and they just sort of do things arbitrarily. <laughs> Which is an incredible line that lives front free in my head forever. <laughs> See, that's another product that made no sense to me like we're going to do a prequel to Barkley Shut Up and Jam and it's going to be an RPG I, I don't I just don't get it like that was a shitpost that game is a shitpost yeah like it was just a fan game that someone was like yeah we're just going to fuck around and like the the concept was for the time a very funny one this idea of like we are going to take the melodrama of a 16-bit, 32-bit JRPG, but we're going to paste it over, like, instead. Like, all of the things people are going to talk about are going to have to tangentially tie themselves back into basketball is the most powerful conventional weapon in the 
universe. <laughs> and that is incredible. Uh, as, as a concept. Uh, and of course, the game only being like eight hours means that it doesn't completely wear out its welcome. There's a lot of late ops internet humor that is not aged super well, mostly just by virtue of being kind of unpleasantly offensive. But uh, the parts of it that are just like uh, fucking jokes about Square Enix merging with the Goya Food Company are extremely funny. Uh, it's, why it's would that happen? Strange. It was just a joke about corporate mergers. Okay. Good enough. Square Enix Goya. Uh, just, just a lot of very strange shit in that game. It's, it's a good shit post. I appreciate it. Uh, rest the soul of uh, Shut Up and Jam Gaiden 2, uh, which was uh, not, not to be, but the uh, alpha build that did find its way out into the world was at the very least extremely funny for being essentially the same idea, but uh, as a take on like mid 2010s Western RPGs. So, uh, if you never played that alpha, it's it's worth it's worth fucking around with. There's some weird shit. Uh, yeah. Also, the original music composed for. Uh, Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden is actually quite good, uh, up to and including its inexplicable theme song, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Dot Wave. What? Yo, JTT, yeah, you know me. What? <laughs> do, 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 do. But yeah. Uh, also, in a universe where there are many truly ridiculous. Uh, nonsense acronyms in uh, JRPGs having the forever unexplained acronym Blood Moses mm -hmm. was an on-point joke for that entire game. Yeah. Ugh, crack. Okay. Um, what time is it? Yeah, we've been at this for like 90 minutes. Um, yeah, let me double check that there's not anything in the podcast section. We've always got the, the big list, but, you know. Okay. Nothing new in the podcast section that we didn't, uh, ask, we didn't go through in the last episode that has not gone up yet, so don't worry, Fireminer, we have not forgotten the questions put in the podcast section. We answered them in the last episode that we also haven't put up yet. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I think that puts us uh, he was here the... for a lot of the recording in the last episode, anyway. I can't remember if he was here last week or not. But... I thought he was. Uh, just to be But I was just be sure. trying to do things with the Steam Deck. Yeah, you were you were destroying yourself. Uh, since Gaijin is not here, I'm going to quickly plug Prince... Princesses of the Pizza Parlor. Uh, available on Amazon for Kindle or Kindle Unlimited. It's a... Uh, it's a fun, uh, you know, fun series of stories, uh, some short stories, some novel length, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, teenage girls playing tabletop games. If you enjoy, uh, you know, just 
tabletop, uh, people making bad decisions on tabletop, which is, you know, naturally an entire genre of streamer at this stage. Uh, you might as well have uh, a more sympathetic uh, set of characters who are not as likely to do something horrible uh, and then turn into Twitter's main character for a week. So, uh, yeah, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, uh, Kindle or Kindle Unlimited, also available in paper paperback form. And uh, you can find search them out by searching for Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Joe. What? Plug. You should probably plug your Twitch plug, channel. Plug, 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 yes. Now it's an easier to find name. Yeah. Yes, the, the new name is Smoke and Joe Gamer. The okay. only parts All of that that are capitalized spelling. are the parts that make sense. <laughs> yes, and there's no uh, no numbers, just letters. And, uh, well, I finished my Dark Souls 2 complete playthrough that over the course of nine parts and 15 hours. Unfortunately, I no longer have Twitch Prime, and I did not archive them properly, so some of them got deleted. But anyways, you can also go over to YouTube. So it's Smoke and Joe Gamer on YouTube and Twitch.tv, so... Hmm. Um, old broadcasts, I typically move them over to YouTube before they get deleted. Sometimes I forget. Um, <laughs> this week I got an itch to play Elden Ring again and did two parts of that. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I want to get sucked into this again. <laughs> and then starting next week, I'm going to be doing what I did last year, which is Hallow Stream. So for all of October, I'm going to be doing um, horror games survival horror um anything spooky really so resident evil castlevania etc so tune in for that and i'm trying to stream more i'm not on a schedule but it's usually around usually between like 7 and 10 at night eastern time so hmm. check it out give that a look he rarely counter programs us so we can plug it up <laughs> don't cross the streams yeah <laughs> but didn't crossing uh... the streams save the world I don't no. care about Ghostbusters enough to say whether that's true or not. <laughs> um, listen, I have had to listen to the arrested development childhood of 80s nostalgics for like 20 years about how much Ghostbusters means to them, and I care so little about it at this stage. Um, let's see. Wales, what you got? Well, let me tell you about Ghostbusters. No, I mean... Uh... No. Uh, Ever make a good Ghostbusters game? Yes. Uh, the HAL Laboratory one for NES New Ghostbusters 2 is pretty good. There's also a Genesis one that's pretty good. The uh, the one that came out originally for like C three sixteen PS three is very good and is basically that Ghostbusters one's also pretty 3. good. Sorry, that one's very good. So, yeah, um, you got three good Ghostbusters games. Yeah. <laughs> And you were saying, though. Yes, Sunday nights, we do Sunday night shenanigans, twitch.tv slash askwheels. Um, we played Turtles in Time last week and gained way too many lives, extra lives in the process. That's why not. Still uh, maintain that I had an adequate number of lives to beat that game. That's great. Uh, not sure what we're playing this week, but that's what we do on Sunday nights. Um, adventures in platforming occurs on occasional Mondays usually, although I'm more doing that just to export the stream to YouTube and kind of build up 
that YouTube playlist with um, platforming content. Um, to make sure those go out, just as an FYI, those are just full stream exports uh, because I think what what bogged down the original run of that was trying to edit them. So just dumping them there. So there's probably moments where I step away from the computer or something. But hmm. uh, yeah, and we're close to finishing the full playthrough of Klonoa, and then I'm going to. Uh, not always gonna do full playthroughs, but next up I'm gonna do some Pac-Man World Repack. I love Pac-Man. Yeah. Pac-Man, good. Pac-Man's Pac Earth Band. Uh, and then after that, I think I'll do Pac-Man Worlds two and three, maybe in like a combined stream, just poking around with those. And then I think after that. It's time to do some tie. Tasmanian Tiger. Yeah. Which one, though? One or two? One. <laughs> I think one. Maybe two. I don't know. We did. You should, you should play a little bit of one. Two is generally considered the better of the two. I think we'll do two, because we actually did a stream of one in the original run. Did we? I didn't remember that. We did, because remember I was horrified by like the side mouth. Oh, I just thought that you had played that yourself and got horrified by the side. No, I'm pretty sure. I'll go back and look just to make sure. But if we already did it, then I'll play two. Two is generally the, the fan favorite among people who played those games. Yeah. And that's it for me, I think. Okay. Uh, as for me, uh, still, like, those Patreon essays are long overdue, but there's still gears grinding forward. I was thinking of... Uh, since I was looking at the footage of Arm Fantasia, I was thinking about writing about why, uh, even though platforming is not a strong emphasis on most games like this, it's useful that RPGs now have jump buttons because it makes you feel more connected to their worlds. Hmm. Uh, so I'll probably be writing something about that and trying to get that out next month along with the game like uh, re-release thing that I'm still trying to wrangle into something that makes a point and is worthwhile in any sense. Uh, but yeah, uh, when that goes up, it'll be on patreon.com slash study. Uh, it will be free, but you can always throw me a tip. I always appreciate it. I will spend it on probably other people's Patreons because I like spending money on other people. Um, Wait, on Patreon, people spend money to read stuff that you wrote? Uh, like, I don't actually charge for it, but that is an option that you can do. So I can do that? Yes. I mean, there's I nothing that would stop you. You would just need to find people who were, you know... Willing, willing to, to give me it, but... their money. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Uh, I'm, I'm very bad at it. I've got a handful of friends who pay into it, and I feel bad that I haven't been uh, taking part. But, you know, I haven't been paying, earning my keep, but I'm working on it. I'm trying to get back into the swing of things. I also am slowed down by the fact that I usually try to make a narrated version. Uh which, you know, takes some extra time, but yeah. So yeah, uh, patreon.com slash study. There will be more essays on there soon-ish. Um, uh, I guess I'll also say that we'll be not recording in a few weeks. Three weeks now, I think. Yes. Uh, so 
there, there will be a point in the coming month where we do not have a recording. It'll be around the like 19th ish, I think, somewhere around there. Yes, and we'll also be taking off uh, the Sunday night shenanigans that week. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna miss two Sunday night shenanigans. You guys might have to go on without me for one okay. of those, but yeah, yeah we'll just, just because I'll be on a, I'll be traveling during this period. Yeah, we'll do one without you, and the other one will be off then. Mm-hmm. Dates yeah. for those? Uh, let me look at the exact dates so that you. Since that will be of worth and note to you in some fashion, since you, you usually participate, um, I will be gone on the 16th and the 22nd. I believe we will be that you and we also have to run it for the 16th, and there just won't be one on the 22nd. Yeah. And uh, there will be no podcast recorded on the 19th. Usually we record Wednesday nights. Uh, uh, around so, starting somewhere around eight to nine p.m. Uh, Pacific, eleven to twelve p.m. Uh, or twelve a.m. Uh, Eastern. So uh, you know, if you want to li- uh, listen to the recording live and ask questions live, like dear friend Fireminer here, you can go to Twitch.tv/askwheels uh, Wednesday nights during that period. Except the aforementioned October nineteenth, we won't be here. Uh, but. Uh, Go there and catch us live and ask us questions in the chat. Uh, We always appreciate that. Otherwise, uh, you can ask us questions if you'd like to do that without trying to schedule around our nonsense uh, by going to the comments section under this very episode or by going to the RP Gamer Discord, which you can find by going to rpgamer.com, clicking the community tab, that will get you an invitation, and you can ask us questions in the podcast section, or you can just talk to other people in the various other sections, which discuss RPGs and all and sundry, and have a lovely community that's worth getting to know. So, you know, give that a look if you got the time. It's a, it's a good place. Uh, otherwise, uh, I think that wraps us up. So let's see you, Space Cowboys. See you. See you.